Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake podcast. My name is Pete Selby. I'm in For Fox Sake HQ and alongside me over the airwaves, that is, is Mr. Rob Hayes. Happy New Year, Rob. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, Happy New Year to the football club. That's a bit weird, just saying Happy New Year to a football club, but there we go. Happy New Year. 2020. 2020. Would you have believed when we started this podcast in some random corridor in an office block in Nottingham that it would have uh, carried on this long, that we'd have dragged it out this long and that we'd have seen so many ups and downs in that time as well? We've we've done pretty well and we're looking forward to another exciting year. Yeah, we have done pretty well. We're still going in... What hundred and I don't know how many episodes we're into the hundred and thirties now I think or or maybe even further whatever episode it is but uh, many thanks for everyone for listening over the years and if you've just joined then welcome to the for Fox sake podcast family if I can get the words out um, what we what we tend to do we tend to be a bit more reflective than kind of other podcasts mainly because of the time that we record we record try to get one out once every week once every 10 days or so and because of that we we kind of take a reflective look on 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 Leicester what's happened over the last week or two what's going to happen but also from a standpoint from maybe three or four days after the game itself so things kind of die down you know the 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 het up anger or or a decision that maybe you've looked at it two or three times ago actually it wasn't as bad as a thought or maybe just to, to purr over a goal or or to, to look at an injury when someone went off and now you've got more detail. So it's, that's kind of who we are and what we are. And um, and we never ask anything from the listeners, but maybe uh, in this new year you could maybe send a tweet out or let your friends and family know that you do listen to the podcast. And uh, we do have a quite a healthy listenership base and uh, maybe we could improve that. But there we go. That could be one thing. So um that's my, that's my New Year's message to everyone. Have you got one, Rob, or is it just... Keep on uh, enjoying the foxes. Yeah, keep on enjoying the football, and if you can bear it, keep on enjoying what we do as well at the Fox Egg Podcast. Because as uh, we said over social media over the festive period, we do enjoy recording it. It is two lifelong Leicester fans that have the privilege of uh, commentating live on the matches, um, providing the audio description service for blind and partially sighted supporters at the stadium. Um, so we kind of see things from a couple of different angles really and we try to be we give our opinion don't get me wrong at all we 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 have our opinions on this on this podcast and we are not afraid to share them but we like to think of ourselves as as quite objective as well and we do try to as Pete said take a step back and look at the bigger picture and not go ranting and raving about every single decision that's ever gone for or against us really we try and take into account what other people are thinking as well and we do welcome any criticism or any comments or anything that you want to share with us it is not well it is i mean it is just two blokes talking about football let let's put let's call it what it is but uh, we do like it when people get involved as well and social media is the best way to do that um and we do like to hear that we're along the right lines or along the similar lines to you or completely different we just like to hear from people don't yes. we 
Anyway, uh, yeah, so if you want to get in contact with the podcast, you can do at FFSpod on Twitter uh, for Voxy Podcast. Type that in to Facebook and you'll find us on there. And also via email for Podcast at gmail.com. Now, uh, do bear in mind that I do have a cold, so every now and again I will cough. And uh, there we go. This is going to be the way it is. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. <coughs> there we go. That was not just an example of what's going to happen. That was a needed cough. Anyway. Onto the podcast, and since we've been with you, we've had uh, we've had the the game against Liverpool, the uh, the defeat at home, the the whitewash at home, the four nil defeat. It was it was really kind of the, uh, the it reinforced what what happened against Man City, and also we just know how good Liverpool are, and I think really, as we said, we took like take a step back and and look at things probably from from a distance and, and look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture really is Liverpool are just a fantastic football side with with amazing players in all positions and they're being ran very well and they're at the top of their game and they were at the top of their game at the King Power. And really, as much as there were one or two things that Leicester really could have improved on or maybe changed or, or, or whatever, the likelihood is it would have been a defeat anyway. And... The important thing was to bounce back from those two defeats to City and to Liverpool uh, in the next couple of games, away at West Ham and away at Newcastle. Uh, The West Ham game coming immediately after Liverpool, two days later, and then Newcastle on New Year's Day. And to get six points from those those two games, West Ham 2-1 and and 3-0 at Newcastle, it, it, for me, it's it, it pushed those Liverpool and um, City defeats to the back foot. We are still second. We are 13 points behind Liverpool, but they're doing their own thing up top. A point ahead of City and 14 points ahead of fifth place Man United. So for me, Rob, I've completely forgotten about the Liverpool and Man City games now because, again, they can do what they want. And it's always going to be difficult to go to the Etihad. We didn't play well there. But the Liverpool game, again, you're playing against the best side in the world and... We've now bounced back, and I'm looking forward to not only the games in the Premier League, but also the the cup semi final and the FA Cup. I think that's the right way to look at it. Liverpool are an outstanding team. They're world champions. They're European champions. They are well on the way to being English champions. Uh, they are untouchable. They have just gone um, an entire year unbeaten in the Premier League, which is a ridiculous feat. Um, and yeah, we'd have liked to have got a bit closer to to preventing that reaching a full calendar year but the the fact of the matter is we didn't and like you say Pete the most important thing was the reaction to that uh to put those because people were sort of asking a few questions after a draw against Norwich which was just a not a great day at the office a, a defeat to Manchester City a defeat to Liverpool people were starting to uh, not not worry but ask a few questions um had the momentum gone and we ran out of steam and the perfect way to answer those um, sort of mumbling critics was victories against West Ham and Newcastle. Games that, in the past, you would have said Leicester should be winning, but you wouldn't have had full faith in them doing so. This Leicester team are very much capable of beating everybody else in the Premier League, bar Manchester City and Liverpool. And that's absolutely fine, because I would consider us, and I think the the league table will show this at the end of the season, to probably be the third best team in the country this season. And I am perfectly happy with that. But to maintain that and to be there, we've got to beat teams like West Ham. We've got to beat teams like Newcastle. And we did that and found that reaction that we all wanted and needed to start the new year in completely the right manner 
and it was in the right manner, not only with the victories, but the way the what I liked about it was two days after that defeat to Liverpool, Rodgers had not changed any of his plans. He hasn't gone, right, look, we need to bounce back. I'm going to play the um, the first team again who maybe needed time off. And we know we were going to say that you're going to get replaced uh, and you're going to have a rest. But I'm sorry, but we need to you know, really get back on. So, you know, get your boots on. That didn't happen. It didn't change the plan. Nine changes for the game against West Ham. In comes Justin Morgan, uh, Fuchs, Chowdy Gray, Men- Mendy, <laughs> Albright and Perez and Iacho. Um Goal streaming in Iacho and Gray. Gray took his goal well and played well. I thought um, I thought Perez linked very well as well. Again, we needed him to step up and be uh, very influential and he was. Iniacho scored the goal very Iniacho like poacher goal, uh, reacting well to that header from Perez at the back post. And okay, you played against the poor West Ham side who sat there manager, but still, we went there and won fairly convincingly, really, against the poor side. Brilliant. And then you go to Newcastle and you expect the changes to come again and players to come back in. And it happens. Six changes. Uh, in comes the likes of Soyuncu and Didi, Pereira, Chilwell, uh, Tielemans and Madison. And we thrash a woeful New- Newcastle side who things went against them. They had a lot of injuries. But the reason that one of the reasons really that they had injuries, yes, it was unlucky for them, but also... The fact that they didn't change their squad and in a, a post-match uh, interview, Rogers, he, he did say that. He said, yeah, I, I know they went off. I think the question was along the lines of, "Do you, did you feel sorry for Steve Bruce? And he went, no, because these things happen in games. Yes, he had to play the second half with 10 men, but also he had the opportunity of ringing the changes and didn't. Granted, this squad isn't as good as ours, but there you go. That's, that's, that doesn't matter. Each team in the Premier League has a fairly big first-team squad. And so we rung the changes. There's no Vardy. We'll talk about him uh, later on. But a really good performance. Goal by Perez. And there's a, there's that brilliant video. If you haven't seen it on um, on uh, on the internet yet, on especially on Twitter, of a Newcastle fan just as Perez is about to score, and he scores, and and, and they've been booing him and that, and he gets so wound up because he does a he's a very muted celebration, but he sticks his fingers in his ears like he does, and. Um, but it was very muted, but still, he, he, he just lost the plot and he made himself... Why would you post that? I don't understand the mentality of a guy who would who would record that, look at it and go, you know what, I look an absolute fool, and then put it on the internet. But anyway, that's uh, that's that. But uh, So Perez scores, Madison scores a cracking goal, and it was the sort of game where Madison just purrs because there was plenty of space, time, and he could run the game, really. And then Hamza Chowdhury with probably the, my favourite goal of the season so far. What a great finish. A goal is always better when it comes off the underside of the bar. But also Chowdhury going to Newcastle after the tackle on Richie, which injured Richie, unfortunately. But again, an awful lot was made of that. Steve Bruce's comments after the game didn't help. And, and Chowdhury apparently in the world of football has a, an unbelievable reputation for being a dirty player, which is completely ridiculous. And also bouncing from those comments by Rogers as well, saying that he needs to improve his game going forward and distributing the ball, which he does. And evidently, on the first time of asking and seeing, he has because he scored a brilliant goal, side-footed from, what, 20, 25 yards. A fantastic goal and just a really pleasing couple of games. Very pleased for Perez, influential against West Ham, scoring against Newcastle, playing well, 
Really pleased for, again, Iniacho scoring goals when he comes in and he's scoring. Look at his record this season. Very, very good. And that's what we want because if he needs to play these games, he's going to play when Vardy's not there through this, that and the other. Then he needs to be scoring and he is great. It's good for him after a very disappointing uh, few games, really, especially the Norwich game. Um, I suppose the one player, really, that we... Uh, we haven't mentioned his Barnes. We'd love to him for just to just get get that goal, get that couple of goals that he needs to to improve going forward, to have the confidence in striking a ball a goal, which at the moment is just completely devoid of ever everything. Um, did you, Rob, think it was an error on the team sheet when you saw Mendy against West Ham? Strange one, wasn't it? I, I know um, it, it's like you say, it was good that we didn't. That there wasn't any sort of knee-jerk reaction to the defeat to Liverpool, and it was very much uh, here's the plan. We're going to stick to it. I think, uh, I think off the top of my head, the uh, nine changes is the the most uh, a Premier League manager has made at, uh, this early in a season ever, which is quite ballsy, let's say. But it shows a lot of faith in the squad. Uh, and the mentality of the entire squad. Brendan Rodgers has talked about it a lot and we've touched upon it in relation to individual players such as Ian Acho uh, and Gray, you know, players that don't always make the match day squad but are still training to a high level. Christian Fuchs, another one. Um, so to be able to make nine changes, and yeah, West Ham aren't great, let's be honest, um, but nine changes is huge and we looked comfortable Mendy is not somebody that I expected to be talking about on the podcast, to be perfectly honest with you. He's, I don't, I think he's been a bit unlucky really because he he wasn't in favour. He had a bit of an injury when he first came to the club um, and then Puel liked him with Ndidi but then started getting vilified because they're both quite similar in, in their approach to, to their work in the centre of midfield. Um, and then Hamza Chowdhury's emergence as the sort of backup defensive midfielder, if you like, has pushed Mendy further down the pecking order. He's a, he's a good player. He's a good player to have in the squad, as was proven in the game against West Ham. But yes, I was very, very surprised. But it just shows the fact that we'd almost forgotten about this player who's played however many games in the top flight in France. Um, and he is a very, very able Premier League midfielder. So it is great to have him as what is essentially our what fifth, sixth choice central midfielder. He has to be, and, and and I and we said on the podcast before about there could well be, and and this Saturday when we talk about the game against uh, Wigan, I, I'd expect there to be a number of, of youngsters say there, and, and Mendy could easily play, and it's also the shop window for Mendy because he played sixty minutes in that game which he was always going to because he, I don't think he's got 90 minutes really under his belt at the moment. He, he hasn't got that in him. Uh, maybe that would be the case against Wigan on Saturday. But the interesting thing with with Mendy is that he, he's... A, it shows you the, the quality of the squad. You do look back at when he played alongside Ndidi and you do go, what a strange decision that was. What, a, what, a, what an error by Puel. And really, possibly, his number one downfall, really... For Claude Puel, I know he tried to rectify that by then signing Tillemans and then he was dismissed very quickly after that. And we, we've said before that history, when you look back at the signing of Euro Tillemans, and it was, it was again, it was uh, uh, Claude Puel. It would be along the lines of when, uh, when it, maybe not as big, but when Beckham was given the uh, 
which England manager gave Beckham the armband? And uh, what what's the answer to that then, Rob? Was it Glenn Hoddle? No. It was Peter Taylor. Oh, my goodness. Um, Exactly. It's, it's, it's one of them strange things when you look back. And I think it was, was it at Arsenal? Was it Bruce Rioch signed Dennis Burkamp? That that sort of thing, when obviously then he flourished under Wenger. When Yuri Tillerman signed by Puel, but, well, signed on loan. And without Puel, he, he wouldn't have been at the football club. And uh, and obviously then signed permanently by uh, by Rodgers. But anyway, it it shows you the, the, the trust that he has in the squad. You look at someone like Justin, who's... In, who really has impressed when he's come into the side. We know Wes Morgan, Fuchs are going to be good, Den Chowdhury, etc. All Brighton as well. But but Mendy, it shows you the, the quality of the squad because you look at West Ham, this kind of mid to lower table side who are now flirting with relegation and I think they'll be okay. But Ch- Mendy is exactly the sort of player they could actually do with. And... I'd be surprised if Leicester actually keep Mendy in, in January because there'd be a lot of clubs looking at him, even just that one game. And if he plays against Wigan, that's another. And looking at him and go, actually, oh yeah, this guy's about and he's fit and he's he, he can play straight away and he's played games in the Premier League and we know what he's like. Here's, you know, a, a few million quid. Yeah, I don't know how much you would rate, you know, Papa Mendy, you know, six or seven million, ten million possibly, who knows? And um, it would be a really good signing for a lower level Premier League side who need a, a defensive midfielder. But um but anyway, looking around the team, yeah, Justin very, very good. I think on Radio Leicester was given man of the match. Uh Christian Fuchs, who then played against Newcastle, so two games in the space of what, four days for him, and playing in the back three against Newcastle. Very interesting by Rogers again. Not only making those changes, bringing in the regular players, as you would say. But also switching the formation by looking at Newcastle and going, right, here's the opposition. <clears throat> this is what they do. This is what Newcastle do. This is the way that they set their team out. How is the best way that we can take advantage of this or or break them down or or really stamp our authority in the game? If we play our regular formation, well, I'll tell you what, what we'll do, we'll just match up completely man for man, formation to formation, and just trust that we have the better side man for man. And dominate the game like that. And that's what we did. Which is not the worst way of going about things. If you're looking at a side like Newcastle. Who are very kind of one dimensional. and They've lost that Sam Maximan. Very uh, big loss for them. Because he looks a, a real threat on the break. And they they are very limited. And, and it worked to an absolute treat. So not only the changes in personnel. Was impressive and ballsy as you said. But also the set plan. I'd imagine these players knew coming up to Christmas, what the teams were roughly going to be for these games. But also, the change in formation as well. Not afraid at all. Very, very, as he likes to say, fluid. It's a, it's a word that Rogers uses a lot. It is. And to have the, the depth in the squad and also to have the flexibility in the squad to play what is... I mean, we've seen the 3-5-2 kind of thing in the last five or ten minutes of games that we're struggling to manage and we want to get an extra centre-back on the pitch. And it basically comes a 5-4-1, if you like, and it allows us to dig in. But to start like that, and the thing is, a lot of the media didn't even know what we were going to do. They saw Fuchs and Chilwell and they were like, oh, well, we presume one of them will be playing in midfield. I looked at that lineup and I thought straight away, Christian Fuchs, left-sided centre-back, that's arguably his best role now, um, in the twilight of his career. He hasn't got the legs to get up and down um, as a as a out-and-out left-back or left-wing-back, and that's why Chilwell has usurped him into the first team. But 
Fuchs on the left side of a back three, absolutely fine. And like you say, the, the players will have known this well in advance. I can't imagine for a second that somebody who is as meticulous as Brendan Rodgers is going to go a couple of days before and go, oh, yeah, lads, we're going to play um, wing-backs in, in the game against Newcastle. They will have been training in that formation for a, a good period of time so that every player exactly knows their role. Because if you don't do that, you risk undoing a lot of the hard work that you've been doing on the training field over the course of what is coming up to, what have we done now under Brendan Rodgers, 10 months in charge. Um, so th- the way the system works is that everybody knows their job when we're not in possession. Everybody knows where they need to be. Everybody knows who they need to press, when they need to press, who they're backing up. Everybody knows every inch of their role in the standard, let's say, 4-2-3-1 or whatever formation you want to call it, the usual um, three attacking players behind Jamie Vardy, two central midfielders. But everybody needed to know their role in that three at the back with wing-backs system against Newcastle, and they absolutely did. Newcastle aren't great by any stretch of the imagination, but they've picked up some decent results this season. St James's Park's never an easy place to go. Um, and yes, they had injury problems and hadn't had the luxury of rotating their squad because they just haven't got the quality and the depth. Um, but we completely put them to the sword. And the only way that we were able to do that is by knowing our jobs. Um, I say we, I'm definitely not a Leicester player. They, knowing their jobs, the Leicester players knew their jobs. And regardless of the fact that nine changes had been made for the West Ham game and then six changes had been made for the Newcastle game, it made no difference whatsoever. Different kinds of games require different approaches and we use different personnel. And that for me is the most pleasing thing. We've beaten, we've played our first game of 2020 with wing backs um, and it's just sets us up really well. And it means that other teams don't really know how to play against us because we can adapt. We beat, we hammered Villa with a diamond formation in the in midfield. We hammered Newcastle with wing backs. You know, we hammered Southampton with our four-two-three-one. So teams aren't going to know what we're going to, how we're going to set up, and that sort of air of uncertainty for the other teams puts us in a powerful position. I think it does. I'd imagine that your best place in the Leicester side would be the left side of a back three, really, Rob. But uh, yeah, um, I uh, I'll be left back in the changing room. It was it was a, a great performance, and again. It, it's not also during, uh, before the games, it's during the games as well, the way that Rodgers will be able to, to move sides around and make those changes and, 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 and switch personnel to, to bring the formation change, which didn't work against Norwich, and he maybe did it in the wrong kind of way, slightly too early, and there was the, the problem with Iniacho and, um, and, the, and, and the playing on from that throw-in. But that's all in the past now, obviously, Iniacho playing and scoring once again. Uh, lovely goal by James Madison and... Uh, he he posted on social media a um a a screenshot of a text message conversation with his mum, saying that she said it was the best goal of the decade or something like that and uh, and uh, but it turns out he's got his mum and his phone as mumsy, which uh, which I replied straight pretty quickly with a picture of Richard O'Brien from the Crystal Maze, with you know because he used to say mumsy on that, kind of turned my well my my this, I did this about. It was in the evening sometime and then um, didn't really look at, at Twitter. Or I didn't look at Twitter again until the next morning and I've got 500 likes or something ridiculous. Um, you know, 
That was a bit weird, but uh, yeah, why did he call his mum Mumsy? That's a bit odd, but uh, but anyway, a lovely goal by him. Uh, Chowdhury for me is the better goal, and just a, a, a fantastic few days, and we can now look forward to the games against Wigan and Villa in the Cup and Southampton then at home in the Premier League. Uh, Vardy, though, really, for the next few minutes, because Vardy, we know he missed the game against West Ham because Rebecca had baby, congratulations to them, and then he missed the game against Newcastle because of a, a calf injury. He was uh, training, and apparently, uh, word from Rogers was that, that he felt his calf, and he's been put through some tests since, and his calf is fine, but it was just a precaution. So just to say, look, don't bother. You're not going to play any anyway against Wigan, so why not rest all the way through until Wednesday the 8th against Villa at home? So uh, no Vardy, but should be back for Villa. So there's, there shouldn't be any concerns there unless we get to an hour before kickoff against Villa. And if Vardy's not in the starting lineup, then... There would be a few, you know, eyebrows raised. There would be, but I think, especially in the last month or so, we've proved that we are not solely reliant on Jamie Vardy, um, and there are a number of individuals who are responsible for that. Kelechi Inacho, as you mentioned earlier, has got a very good record, probably in terms of goals to minutes, um, it, it, this season, and it, it's good because he's the only other real out-and-out striker that we've got in the squad. And at the moment, he's involved in the first team, he's starting games, he's coming off the bench, he's scoring goals, and that is he looks to me to be a complete confidence player, because I don't think anybody's ever questioned his finishing ability. Um, but to have those minutes in him, to have those goals behind him, means that he is ready. OK, he's not on the same level as Jamie Vardy, but you can't have two or three strikers in your squad on the same level as Jamie Vardy, unless you are Manchester City or Liverpool, really. Um, Vardy injured against Newcastle. We still got scored three goals. Uh, and Perez is somebody that I wanted to talk about a little bit more before we move on to previewing the upcoming Cup games. He's played in a more central position in the last couple of games. He played in the sort of number 10 role in our traditional formation against West Ham. He played basically as a, as a striker with Inacho against Newcastle. And he really does affect games from those positions. Now, I'm not saying he can't play out wide, but, you know, some people, some corners of Leicester City supporters, after certain games, have called Perez out for a, an ineffectual performance, if you will. Um, but I think in those pockets of space which are so often occupied by James Madison, which is the main reason Perez hasn't played there. But he's proven that he can really have a strong impact on games, linking play. He's clever. He's got a really deft touch when he needs to. His finishing, um, when you put him in the right areas, is is fine. So it's been good to see him playing in that central position because you do wonder, yeah, if Vardy's calf is a little bit tight um, and... Ian Acho, for whatever reason, has a niggle. You'd look and you'd think, well, it's probably got to be somebody like Gray to start up front. But I think Perez has shown himself over the last couple of games. He's really grasped the opportunity to play through the middle and shown what he can do. Assists, goals, just all-round top performances. Um, so I'm pleased for him that he can start this new year. He's not going to get much game time in the centre. Let's be honest, James Madison is is the man that plays there as the support to the strikers centrally. 
but it just shows what a good player Perez is. And he was a surprise signing in the summer, as we talked about, but he's been a very good one. Um, and, and we have the options there should Vardy not come back to full fitness as quickly as we'd like. Don't get me wrong, if a fit Jamie Vardy starts, no question. But the support and the backup is there when required, which is a, a, a good position to be in. Also with Perez, I think everyone would say as well that there's more to come. There, There is more to come. Whether we're seeing the maximum of what Ozzy Perez is, I, I very much doubt that. Um, purely on on the fact that he scored goals for Newcastle in many different ways as well. He, remember he, he, when he was quite brave at Newcastle against Leicester at the King Power with a few headers um, and the way he finishes against Southampton taking it just on the half volley. There was a real player there, and, and I still think there's a lot more to come from from Perez. And, and who knows whether he'll be given the, the the time and the and the position at Leicester where they can maybe build the attack around, say him with Vardy or, or vice versa, or over the coming years. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But I still think that there, there is a, a better player there, and I'm pretty sure that they're working very hard to try and unlock the key for Perez and, and try and get the maximum amount of him. He, I don't think he's the sort of player, a bit like Gray, where you want Gray really to, to run at players and grasp the opportunity, grasp the situation. And when he does, he looks really good, but he, he doesn't do it, doesn't do it often enough, doesn't do it hardly at all, really. he I still think Gray's playing almost at 70-80%. There's, there's a lot more to come from someone like Gray. But with Perez... Again, it's it's almost like just be a a bit more committed, a bit more, a bit more grasp on the game. Do the simple things well, and then when you've got the ability, be confident in front of goal. Be confident in your final pass. He's got it. We know he has uh, that great play at West Ham, and and again the goal at, at Newcastle. No, he could have easily gone down, but no, he, he was he was quite quite strong and determined. He has got it, and uh, I think there's a lot more more to come from from the likes of him. And a few others, and they'll get their chance against Wigan. Now, Wigan, 5.31 kickoff on Saturday. Now, uh, I did see a tweet, actually, from the football club, Boney, a couple of minutes ago, uh, regarding travel. Now, you would expect Wigan... Uh, in tra- we'll talk about tickets, actually, for a second, because Wigan, um, I don't know how many are going to be there, but I've heard it's going to be, actually, a very big crowd at Wigan. Now, Villa, at the time of recording... So we're a week away, just under a week away. We recorded on the Friday before the Wigan game. Um, apparently there's about 5,000 tickets available for the home game against Aston Villa in the League Cup semi-final on Wednesday. So if you haven't got a ticket and you're listening to this now and you can go, go. Get it on general sale. Go and get a ticket. See Leicester in a semi-final. I think a lot of people just don't, didn't realise and I think there's going to be a mad stampede towards the end. But get on the website, phone them up, get your ticket. Wigan... Um, apparently because the Tigers are playing at home. So it's going to be a very busy day shopping-wise in Leicester. The Tigers are playing at 1 o'clock, and then we're at 5.30. So they reckon it's going to be very, very busy. So maybe a lot of people think that they're going to maybe leave slightly later than normal because it's only Wigan and there won't be that many there. But no, apparently it's going to be very busy. So just a word of warning there. Um, that's the traffic and travel from uh, the Fox 8 podcast. But uh, the side against Wigan, I'd imagine... The team that played against West Ham would be very close to the starting lineup against uh, Wigan, with maybe one or two surprises on the bench, or maybe featuring in the first team. We mentioned Mendy, but maybe some of the youngsters coming in, Rob. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see because the fact is we have got quite a lot of senior players in the squad. So it makes more sense to give them game time and keep them fresh so that they are ready as and when required in the Premier League, such as Mendy, such as, you know, Justin, such as Morgan. Um, but there is also a sort of... There's, there's a justification, if you like, to include a couple of players, maybe who've been impressing in the under-23s who are doing really well this season, and say, look, here's a go against a lower, a very low championship opposition... It's, but the 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 problem with that is it's a potential banana skin, isn't it? We were talking just before we hit the record button uh, before this podcast. It it's a losable game, you know. It's it's a rubbish draw. You either want a proper minnow who are going to come and give it a go for sixty minutes, maybe, but you will definitely have the quality to to get past, or you want a, a, a big team. Really, you don't you don't want fighting for their lives at the bottom of the championship team because they could cause some kind of surprise or some kind of upset to to kickstart their season. So for that reason, I think Rodgers will err on the side of caution and he'll, and he'll use senior backup players. But he could have a couple maybe on the bench. Um, you know, someone like George Thomas, for example, who captains the under-23s. He's been leading them by example um, and has played some league football on loan um, and did play a fair few times for Coventry before he signed for us. So it w- would be the kind of game that m- maybe you could see if he is able to link with senior Leicester players. But, you know, Brendan Rodgers will know this from the training ground as well. A lot of those under-23 players, uh, especially the likes of Thomas, who are involved in the sort of Welsh national setup uh, and have played league football, will be training with the first-team squad most of the time. So Rogers will know exactly what he's about. be interesting to see if we see somebody like Filip Benkovic. Um, I think somebody like Danny Ward will have been possibly a little bit annoyed that he played the early rounds of the League Cup and then Schmeichel came in for the Premier League opponents, if you like. So I would hope that Danny Ward would get a game between the sticks because, again, he needs to be kept sharp for if anything happens to Kasper Schmeichel. So it's got to be a mix of trying to maintain a bit of consistency in the way that we're playing and the and the personnel, giving crucial game time to players that are going to be needed in the second half of the Premier League season, but possibly using a couple of young players. But I don't think we'll see huge surprises. No, I, I I agree with Ward. I think Ward will play in goal. I think they'll give Schmeichel the time off. And, and obviously Ward, as you mentioned, given vital time, even though he's a goalkeeper, but they you know, still need time um, in the middle just in case. But um, <clears throat> I think there'll be, I bet there'll be two or three of the youngsters involved. You'll obviously have one or two of the first team regulars there just in case it goes slightly wrong against Wigan but I think being also in the quarter in the semi-finals of the League Cup also helps as well because let's just say we weren't in the League Cup being knocked out early on then because of the league position I think fans would actually want Leicester to have a fairly strong side out against Wigan look no slip-ups this is a real good chance for Leicester to go far but I think because of the position that we're in in the League Cup I think a lot of fans would actually say yeah let's play some youngsters let's go and and watch the ones who aren't playing, but also some of the kids as well. 
And if it does go horribly wrong, you know, touch wood it doesn't, but if it does, then we are in the semi-finals of the other cup. But we'll wait and see what happens with uh, with that on the Wednesday. And the Wednesday game against Villa, we hope to see then Vardy back and I imagine there'll be the full first team out. You know, you see on Tuesday and Didi's, Pereira's, Chilwell's, they'll, they'll all be then back in the side. Uh, Tillemans has been slightly off his game. He hasn't scored or assisted for a while uh, for Leicester. Um, I don't know whether it's just the season kind of catching up with him, whether he's because of, I know he's a, you know, he's a fully grown man and professional footballer, played over 200 games in his career, but first season fully in the Premier League, whether the, the amount of games has just started to creep up or slightly when they play the diamond formation, especially against Norwich at home, it didn't work for Tillemans at all. And he's he's maybe just just slightly off his game, but then I, I, anyone can really be off the game for a few for a few games. He, he just looks uh, slightly short of confidence because... I think that's manifesting itself in the fact that he's taken too long on the ball. He's not as quick as he was at the uh, at the end of last season when he came in on loan. He was so quick at when he received the ball to he already knew what he was going to do with it, and he, he was half a second ahead of anyone else in the the Leicester side. And at the moment, it's just not quite quite clicking for him. But uh, he would obviously be in my team at home against Villa. It would be the the team that we would all expect the the, the main formation, the four at the back two kind of three and then the one but any question marks regarding Tillemans and his position in the side I don't think so Uh, there's always going to be times during the season where teams and definitely individuals will have a run of a few games where for whatever reason it just doesn't quite come together maybe he has run out of steam a little bit and and not not necessarily could do with a break but maybe it will have benefited from having a couple of days off over Christmas you know he, he it, the Premier League is a very intense league. Uh, pretty much everybody says you know you play in Spain or you play in Italy. You're a defender. You get whatever time you like on the ball because no one's really going to press you. Um, and the sort of build-up play is quite slow. Whereas in the Premier League, it's very much gung ho a lot of the time, and it's a very physical job in the centre of that midfield. Especially when, if you look at the roles of maybe, if you say, if you come from the viewpoint that we're playing three central midfielders in usually Ndidi, Tielemans and Madison, you know, Ndidi's role is the deepest, the the breaker-up of the play, you know, the interceptor, the, the challenger kind of the role, the screen in the defence. Madison has fewer defensive responsibilities and is the one that is mainly tasked with unpicking the opposition defences. So Tielemans really has to do a bit of both. And he's willing to do it. He's honest and hard-working from what I've seen. Um, And he does have the ability, like Madison, to unpick defences at the other end. But maybe it's just catching up on him, playing 90 minutes week in, week out, or sometimes twice a week in the Premier League. Whereas you've got to say that if, if we didn't have Madison you would probably, your next player that you would choose to play there would be somebody like Tielemans. Free him up a little bit, make sure that his main focus is going forward and and, and maybe that is what's catching up with him a little bit because he's being asked to do all of the work in the centre of midfield, which quite rightly he should. He's, he's a central midfielder. It's a difficult position to play in probably the most difficult league in the world. But 
we we don't have that luxury where we can free him and Madison up very often. So he's just going to have to sort of play his way back into form, really. I don't think there's a call for him to be dropped. I don't think there's a situation where you would prefer any other central midfielder in there other than him. So maybe it's just a case of he's been a bit quiet for a few games uh, and he'll come back with a bang with the kind of quality assist or string-pulling performance that we've become accustomed to. Yeah, I think also, whilst whilst you were talking now, I was just thinking about um, the likes of Madison and Ndidi because they're the two who are closest to him on the field. Look how well Ndidi's playing and also the, the flashes from Madison. And maybe it was just at the end of last season, Tillemans obviously was playing at a very high level, but also it was all new and it was a, a standout performance when now, because of the the way that Ndidi has really excelled this season, and, and Madison has said in in flashes has looked absolutely excellent. Maybe it's just he's actually playing okay. He's just been overtaken by other players, or other players are standing out slightly more. So I don't think it's anything to uh, to really worry about. But it'd be nice for him to get on the score sheet. I think every player needs confidence. Every player needs that final ball or that goal every now and again, just to keep them going, to keep them ticking over. And for me. Of course, he gets in in any Leicester side, no matter what position, really. And it'd be interesting regarding the side at a play then Southampton, only a few days after Villa at home in the league on the 11th, it is, Saturday 11th. Now, to predict the side and the starting lineup, it all depends on what happens against Wigan and Villa, regarding injuries, regarding um, who's in form and, and, and what happens, really. But... Knowing that there's a full week until the next game, which I think is away at Burnley, um, you'd expect a very strong side. But also, you would then hope that... Would there be... Do you think there would be a reaction to what happened on the South Coast? Obviously, 9-0, we all know. But would, uh, would that be playing on the minds of maybe the Southampton players, but also Leicester as well? I think it, it, it will do in the build-up. I don't think it would have any... any any bearings on the game itself, but in the build-up, it will obviously dominates all all the uh, the talk before the game. Yeah, I think so. I think the Southampton players will have an extra sort of incentive to play well, to come to the King Power and and put right a few of the wrongs that happened on the South Coast. Now, Southampton are going to be absolutely fine this season. They're a good team. I think Hassan Hussel is actually quite a good manager. And they're starting to show that and pick up some results that I think they've been quite unlucky in a few games as well. I'd expect them to finish very comfortably mid-table. So if they continue to pick up a few more results in the next couple of weeks and build up a bit of momentum coming into the game uh, against us on the 11th of January, with that in the back of their mind as well, I think they could be a really tough opponent. I think they could cause us some problems. Danny Ings has got his shooting boots on at the minute. They've got some good players um, with momentum, with that incentive, it will be a, a tricky game. Um, but the thing is, there are lots of good teams in the Premier League. Yes, the gaps are opening up. Liverpool are obviously way above and beyond what anybody else can reach this season. And then we've got that huge gap down to fifth, which is a massive buffer for us. You know, and then you've got a big concentration of teams in this in the middle of the table. But all of those teams have, are able and are capable of of picking up results and turning in performances. But I think Southampton will have an extra edge coming into that game, so we'll have to be very very careful. 
um, particularly is the fact that you, you you would imagine we're going to put out a full strength side on the on the Wednesday against Villa. So it'll be interesting to see how the players, the personnel, the formations, etc., are managed. But like you say, there is then an eight day gap until we play Burnley away the following Sunday. So maybe you get them. Th- through the Wednesday, get them through the Saturday and then say rest up for a few days. But yeah, that that looking at our fixture list coming up, that is a tricky one. It is a it is a tricky one. And we'll, we'll wait we'll wait and see what happens. But fingers crossed we go through against Wigan and then everyone's got their tickets for the Villa game. We build up a decent lead against Villa. Here we go. Then what, what kind of lead would you want against Villa? Obviously 5-0 would be great, but I think I think any lead for me would be good because away goals don't count, um, and we know that we've got the beating of Villa at Villa Park. It's going to be a difficult game there, but I think as long as Leicester are in front, even two one or one nil, as long as they've got that lead, because I think Villa are going to be very very wary of us on the break, and Villa will have to come at us fingers crossed at Villa Park, and there's no side. Well, I could be better in the league on the counter-attack than Leicester. And I think that would play into our hands. So if we've got just that one goal, two would be great, three would be excellent, but just that one goal, that would be uh, would be ideal. Yeah, a lead of any kind, especially as we're so good at home. Um, we are considerably better than Aston Villa, regardless of what team we put out and regardless of what competition it is. So you would expect, if you looked at that as a standalone Premier League game, Leicester against Villa at the King Power Stadium, you'd expect us to win it by a couple of goals, regardless of what happened in the in the game in the league last month. So if you take that on its own merit, you would expect us to be two goals to the good going to Villa Park. And I think you're absolutely right. I think forcing... Villa to bring the game to us at Villa Park and that's what their fans will expect them to do will play into our hands quite nicely in the fact that we would hopefully have a lead to to fall back on anyway but also you can spring the counter-attack at pace and cause them all sorts of problems because the thing is if you go go to Villa Park with a 2-0 lead let's say after the first leg and then Villa start coming at you and coming at you and it gets to about an hour and it's still 2-0 Villa have all of a sudden got to put an extra body into attacks you turn that around and you score a quick breakaway goal that is all you need to do in that leg to to win the tie you know that puts it beyond doubt so two goals will be comfortable but any kind of lead for the numerical advantage but also the the mentality as well now over Christmas you may have heard and hopefully you have and enjoyed uh, we had a um, a special episode released. It was our team of the decade because everyone was doing it, but we came up with the idea first. Go back and listen. Months ago, wasn't it, Rob? Months ago, we came up with the idea about um, having a team of the decade. And th- so there's a special on there, so go on your podcast provider of choice. Uh, we're available on SoundCloud, on Apple iTunes, on Apple Podcasts as it is now. And also, if you... Uh, Spotify as well, I can't think of the third one, Spotify, so many people use that, uh, type in for Fox 8 Podcast and we're on there as well, so uh, and if you do then you'll find it as a special and we go through two teams Rob, and um, and then we, we put them on social media, we'll put them on at FFS Pod on Twitter and also on Facebook and ask people to kind of look over the two teams, so I'll give you a rundown of the two teams, now my, you'll have to listen to the uh, the episode itself. Uh, to to understand why we've picked these players, we've got into some detail, 
Um, so I've gone Schmeichel, Ricardo, Morgan, Huth, Fuchs, Drinkwater, Kante, and King, Mares, Nugent, and Vardy. And uh, and you, Rob, went for Schmeichel, Ricardo, Morgan, Huth, and Fuchs. Uh, Drinkwater, Kante, Cambiasa, Warbrighton, Mares, and Vardy. And we asked for people to get in contact regarding those two teams. And we've got a few here. Uh, David Lusby says, uh, Rob's team for me, Albrighton is a must. Um, and uh, and then he actually changed his mind, actually, and said that actually it's a mixture because he wants Nugent in there as well. Uh, my mate Clapp says, no Taylor Fletcher because he's obsessed with him. Uh, actually, it's a good point. We could have Taylor Fletcher in there. But um, also uh, Ben on here says, uh, Peace is probably closest to his side. Um, and uh, Paul Keller says uh, Rob's team loves Nugent and Kingy, but if you're looking for quality over years of service, then they don't get in. And that was the whole argument or discussion, really. Do you have a, a player that's been with the club for the 10 years, like Andy King and has done so well for Leicester? Or do you have someone who's only been in, in for a couple of years, but is obviously a better player? Uh, Pete Selby says, I agree with Pete for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, Paul Oliver says, can't have Cambiasso, uh, so therefore Pete's, although maybe Albrighton instead of King. And uh, Richard Enriquez says, I'm swapping Rob's drink water for Pete's King, otherwise uh, Rob's is spot on. Uh, sentiment has taken over my decision. Andy King is Leicester through and through. So I don't think we've really got any further, really, with who is the definitive kind of side. I think a lot of people say Albrighton needs to be in there. And I, I struggle with getting Albrighton in there ahead of King, wasn't it? That was my my big uh, question mark, really. And I needed Nugent in there for the older years. So I, I think we'll just leave it as it is. I don't think we need to have a, a definitive for Fox 8 team of the year. I think, it's, I think the discussion on that special episode and the difference in the two sides, which was only minimal, really, only two or three players, wasn't it, Rob? I think that's really kind of sums up where, where Leicester is looking back at the decade you've got a team of about 13 or 14 quality players over the years and uh, any kind of interchange between those 13 or 14 is perfectly fine isn't it there's no definitive answer no i think that's what everybody's comments have have kind of verified for us really is that the the ones we were agonizing over um are ones that they have been in turmoil about as well and if you've seen our social media posts about that but you haven't listened to the special episode yet it's not going anywhere it's going to stay there forever so find yourself a little bit of time if you want to sort of look back over the last decade of of Leicester City because we we don't go through particular seasons really or, or or games individually but we do talk about a number of players, not just those that have made it into our starting 11s, but we consider a lot of other players that were shortlisted as well. And we give sort of our opinions as to why they should or shouldn't be in that team or, or you know, the contribution that they've made to Leicester over the last 10 years. And it, it was quite, it was a really nice one to record, actually, to reminisce, um, because a lot happened in the last 10 years, as we all know. So if you haven't yet listened to it, do find the time to to give it a listen, because it will sort of, Hopefully, and I know the people I've spoken to that have listened to it, and those comments have proven that as well. It it makes it's made everybody think, and there might be a player that you might have picked your best eleven, but then there might be a player that we talk about that you hadn't actually remembered, you know, because a lot of players have played for Leicester over the last ten years, and it might change your mind a little bit. So, it it is a good thought provoking, um, enjoyable, reminiscent episode. So, treat your ears to that. But I think we're right there, Pete. 13, 14 players um, 
it's a good squad to have, isn't it? Yeah, it is a good squad, and also it's a it's a podcast that will stand the test of time because it's about the previous decades. So, you know, you could listen to it in ten years' time, and it, it will still be as fresh as it is is today. Now, I wonder if any of the players are in the starting lineup against Newcastle, especially on the first of twenty twenty, on the first of January, will be in that team of the decade of the next decade. That'll be interesting to see whether, and hopefully, Rob, we're still doing the podcast, and. Um, and, and there we go. But anyway, that's it for the podcast now. Uh, again, if you're going to Wigan, then enjoy that game. It's, again, 5.31 uh, kickoff. All the games in the FA Cup kicking off at one minute past the scheduled time uh, as a minute for uh, mental health awareness, I'm pretty sure. Uh, something along them lines. I'm sure it'll be well advertised. And then, obviously, Villa on Wednesday, Saturday against Southampton. Tickets are available against Villa. Do get your tickets. About 5,000 at the time of recording. I'm aware of 5,000 available against Villa. Who would have thought it? Um, at the moment, I'd, I'll be interested to see how many against Wigan. I've heard, again, very big crowd expected against Wigan. So that'll be interesting. And then the Saints on Saturday. Fingers crossed. It's a nice and easy win against Wigan. And you see some players that we haven't seen for a while. Maybe some youngsters uh, uh, doing their stuff at the King Power. And then a good win against Villa. You know, 2 or 3 nil, hopefully. And then go through... Uh, to the semi-final, well, to the second leg at Villa Park later in the month, and and easily get through to the final. We can always then uh, start dreaming about the first of March, and then nice and easy three points against Southampton. Maybe not the nine, eight will do. What do you reckon, Rob? Eight, eight nil will be fine against Saints, won't it? No, I want double figures. Nothing less will do. Well, there we go. <laughs> Tell us what you think. Uh, get in contact at FFS Pod for Fox Eight Podcast on Twitter. Search for us on Facebook. Just type in for Fox 8 Podcast and you'll find us. Click like. And if you want to email us about absolutely anything at all, for Fox 8 Podcast at gmail.com is the way to get in contact. That's it for this episode. I can't think of anything else, Rob. Can you? Nope. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs>